This show is sponsored by Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows, including your favorite anime, anytime, anywhere, on your TV, PC, smartphone, or tablet. Support this podcast and get an extended free trial of Hulu Plus when you go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. That's HuluPlus.com forward slash anime. There was a dark time in my life when my diet consisted mostly of ball soda and poggy. Oh my god, I love ball soda. I'm proud of that. For a second, I thought you were just going to stop at balls. And I was going to be like, My that. diet consisted of balls. <laughs> That's a really That's dark it. time, Cram. You, like, you like balls, Cram? I do. Give me some. Oh, I'm going to give you some balls. You yes, can, you please can, give me balls. You can just take it. Please put the balls in my mouth. <laughs> heard the song Kakume Dualism from the anime Kakumeki Valbrave 2 by the artist Nanamizuki and TM Revolution. And you are listening to episode 205 of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast where, Cram, what is our mission? Our mission is, and always will be, to make your anime addiction worse. Well, thank you very much. I am Mitsugi and I'm joined here with my co-host Cram, so once again say hello. Hi. And... What is this? We have a special guest in the studio tonight. We have joining us is the female Titan from Attack on Titan. It's looking at me. So, what do you have to say for yourself, female Titan? Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Female Titans don't talk. I, the Titans don't talk at all, right? Yeah, so. They so. just go. <laughs> Sometimes. Did you see there, there it was. There it was. One more time. We need to say hello. So you can find us at our homepage, www.aaapodcast.com. We're also on iTunes, so feel free to subscribe, and I'm sure iTunes will be happy to send you our new episodes every week. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, at AAA Podcasts, so you can come check us out on there and see all the interesting photos that we post every week from Japan. So, And of course, we're live every, sat- every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ustream.tv. So come join us live and talk to us in the chat, and we'll have a good time. It'll be fun. So, moving right along. 
How are you guys doing today? Moving right along. Oh, this mask oh. is really hot. <laughs> oh, wait. It's not a female titan. It's Chiaki Chiyok oh. was the female titan. Wow, what a twist. You know, Chiaki is blonde. I think I knew that since episode eight. Did you enjoy my transformation sequence into Titan mode? <laughs> you were very you were very effectively piloted that mech. Anyway, so we have three new four members today. We have Tyrant's Eye, X Sasuke Spain, and League of Legends God. So welcome to the forum. Any takers? No. No one? Uh no. I really am a big fan of Resident Evil, a.k.a. Biohazard, so I'm going to go with Tyrant's Eye because I think that there's like a 5% chance that's from Resident Evil. So, okay. So moving on from that, I guess, we have uh, trivia this week. So the correct answer was Celsius Motorcycle from Do-da-da-da. A little bit of a harder question, the but the normal crowd of people got it correct again. So correct answers are Nelly1876, Padalite, Is No Try, Astrophysics, Sin 1, The Count, Icy Rose, Chapter 9, Mose on Motorcycles, Takiora 77, and Shake a Spear. Congratulations, you guys are the cream of the anime crop, as it would as it seems. And the winner for the week is The Count, so congratulations to you. You have been entered into a drawing for fantastic prizes. The, uh, the, the theme for the month is still anime rides, and the question... And for the new trivia this week is uh, a little bit harder than last week. So good luck to all of you guys that like to play the trivia. So funny story. Mitsugi looks at Ch- Chiaki and goes, Chiaki, what is with this question? It's not even a ride. And I looked at him and I went, this is the one that you suggested. The end. I'm an old man, you know. I can't remember things. Cool story, bro. <laughs> it's a spaceship. I don't did know. You, did you enjoy enjoy okay. my story? Mm-hmm. Exhilarating. Is, is, there a, is there a figure of the day, Cram? I thought it was the thing that was on Chiaki's face. Oh, the figure of the day is the, is the female Titan. The mask, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess we didn't explain that. Uh, Chiaki was wearing a mask <laughs> of yeah. the of if you did the colossal Titan. If you hadn't figured out by episode eight that that Chiaki was actually the blonde Titan, we revealed it to you just now. So there you are. Really great radio, just yeah. talking about something with no context whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So See, this is why you should join us for the live show. But so, we found this. At, I've, I found it at a re- recycle shop for yeah. 900 yen. Yeah. And I think it might have been the best 900 yen $9 that I ever spent. It's a it's a nice new prop for the podcast. We'll probably like, pull that like out once in a while. Party City. It, it does like yeah. a party city in Japan. It's really, the eye holes are really bad. I really, Terrible. they're awful. I cannot see in front of my face. Yeah. Like, so if I wore it again, I would probably make the eye holes a little bit bigger. It might, be, it might be more fun if we cut out the, po- the bottom portion of the mask so you can wear it and talk at the same time, too. That might be nice. So, anyway, yeah. It's time for an almighty anime mailbag! Anime. 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 Mailbag. Okay, so the first mailbag is from Tobias X 3 and he slash she writes, Hi, anime addicts. What would an anime have to do to appeal to the mainstream American audience? Even the popular titles such as Dragon Ball Z and Cowboy Bebop are relatively niche. But what kind of show would get so popular that everyone would be talking about it? Thanks and keep up the awesome show. Pokemon. Pokemon. Step one, don't be animated. Yeah. Step two, don't be Japanese. (laughs) Step three, profit. Or step four, ignore steps one through three and be Pokemon. 
I, you know, I think that Attack on Titan could be popular. What? With mainstream America? Well, I mean, how mainstream are we, are we talking about, like, 50-year-old men that would be watching football? Well, main, mainstream, I, I assume when uh, mainstream American audiences is, is mentioned, it means, like, the kind of people who just watch primetime TV. Yeah, like that's kind of what I families, think. Families. Well, if that's um, the case, I'm 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 afraid to. St- I'm sorry to say that it's probably impossible. Yeah. I mean, yep. you're not going to be able to get people to watch anime. Which is kind of my point with yep. saying, yeah, but don't be, don't be animated or from Japan. But even amongst children and amongst the younger audiences, anime is less popular now than it was in the early 2000s, late 90s. The bubble went pop. The bubble. The bubble went pop. So if you wanted to talk about how to bring back the bubble. So maybe Space Dandy is the is the savior of us all since it's having. Oh my a, god! It's, it's going it to save begins, anime. It begins, Graham. It well, freaking I'm, begins. No, he's, he's decided no, he's going to dislike it's, the show. It's I have saving, not. It's saving anime. I have not anime. decided that. All I'm saying is they're showing it simultaneously in America. It's going to join with the ranks of Kill a Kill and Attack, Attack on Titan. Titan. I gave Attack on Titan a three and a it's half. Gonna and be, it's going to it's going to be his takedown job for the next season oh because god. everyone's going to like it and he's got to dislike it. I, I, I'm actually, really curious. Actually, I would like I, to know the next, the last super, super popular show that he actually liked. Loved Taradu Kakakuna Railgun S. No, that doesn't count. It doesn't <laughs> Why count. Why does that not count? Because it's only super popular in Japan. I'm talking about the last Attack on Titan level popular show that you actually It's liked. a long time, Cram. I've known Meitsugi for a long time, and okay. it's a long time. So we're derailing a little bit, but... No, we're not. But listen, <laughs> listen, listen to the words that come out of your mouth. <laughs> That's only popular in the only country in the world that actually watches anime anymore. Well, <sighs> 99.5% of the world's viewers of anime yeah, but we live want, in Japan. We, we are an um, American pod. I mean, we live in Japan, yeah. but we're an American podcast. So Yeah, but people want, the people that watch from America that listen to our podcast watch the same crap the people in, Amer- that in Japan watch. Okay, by that metric, Sazai-san, best anime of all time. Woo! <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I don't, you're, you're, you're not making any sense today. Anyway, oh so God. moving on, who, who would like to read this in the next mailbag? Not it. Okay, Graham, uh, you're up. All right. Use your, use your NPR voice. Scotland writes, no, I'm not going to do that. Scotland writes, I love the topics that you guys cover in anime and have given me quite a few pointers as to what I should be watching this season. Though your preconceived dislike for the more quote-unquote boring anime is something I have to disagree with. I personally have a collection of 275 anime and growing, and over 100 of those are the quote-unquote boring fan service love polygon romantic comedy type it's my personal favorite type of anime lots of anime have good stories but i love something that makes me laugh if you like it buy it that's the fine. end yeah. that's cool yeah well i mean i'm gonna just i'm probably gonna disagree with you because 99 out of, out of 100 boring fan service love polygon romantic comedy type animes that i would review i'd probably give a one a one out of five because i don't like fan service anime I think, but, but what is the question here? I think one of the things to say about the show and how we perceive shows like that is, and we've said this before, but all of us have seen a lot of anime and, and we approach oftentimes things from a critical perspective, from trying to look at the show, from what is it doing? What is it trying to do? Did it succeed? Is it? Is does it have merit in maybe more traditionally critical ways? And so I think a lot of times those shows, it might seem like we hate on them a lot, even if we really enjoy them, because we might give them a bad score. But I think that's in part because we 
kind of have to for where we are at in our anime viewing and what we're doing for the show. Like one example for me, in, and you don't have to not, defend yourself. I'm not defending myself. I'm I'm saying or, or, or rationalizing it or justifying it. No, I'm I'm saying it's true for me because one of the things, one example that comes to mind is Cheese Sweet Home. I think I gave Cheese Sweet Home like a two or something. Okay, that's and that anime for me is one of my favorite anime of all time. But critically, it's it's not something that does anything, so I can't give it a good score. It's not a cute. ton of artistic merit. It's really yeah. cute. It's super I mean, cute. it's it's painfully cute, and it's at a Japanese level that I don't even need subtitles, yeah. which is is warm fuzzy in a different way. But I'm not gonna give that show a high score right. because <laughs> it is what it is, and I think that's. That's something that that when it comes to people listening this show to this show that I just want everyone to always keep in mind is that it's not we're sometimes we're not saying these shows are bad per se or or bad don't enjoy them but yeah, maybe mean, they just don't stand up to what we look for critically. I mean, anime and every other kind of film or art or whatever is 100% subjective. So even if I don't like, I don't know. Rio Rainbow Gate, you might love it, and that's fine. I feel like Rio Rainbow Gate gets it's name notorious. dropped like every other Go, episode. Oh, you want do you want to know why it's, it's notorious? It's Go pretty watch bad, it. Graham. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna lie. No, I'll it's, take your word for it. It's just, half I, I that just anime it's takes place at a poker table with like a girl's titties bouncing around while she deals cards. And is that saving anime Mitsugi? It is not. <laughs> anyway, so, everything is saving anime. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to just for for the record. I had Space Dandy at at the top of my list until everybody else had it up there, and then I moved it, it down. See exactly. That's that's my point. What? 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 The, my, my, I wanted to watch it, but I knew I wasn't gonna get it, so I moved it down a little bit. Anyway, so the character battle is continuing, and we are into the second round of the character battle. So people's people's scores are beginning to separate a little bit. So let's go through the the more the most recent matches. Well, where we left off, Chihaya was from Chih- Chihaya Fudu was facing off against the main character from Lucky Star, and I was incredibly happy to see that people had not lost their minds, and Konota from Lucky Star was beaten pretty easily, so that was good. Yay, Chihaya! Uh, in a very, very shocking outcome, and quite sad, Sayako Bu- Busujima from High School of the Dead beat Fujiko Mine from Lupin the Third pretty easily, and I guess gigantic titties just beat out classic gigantic titties i don't know what can i say i meets was like i can't believe this is happening and i look at him and i go it's the battle of new titty versus old titty yeah it really was and no one can nobody it's official no one cares about loop on the third anymore so uh next up tomoko from what from watamote was beaten very narrowly by nagisa from clonade i was happy about that Asuna from Sword Art Online was beaten by Yoko Littner from Gurren Lagann. Holo from Spice and Wolf easily beat Rally Vincent from Gunsmith Cats, which, I don't know. I guess that's probably fair. Uh, starting off round two, we have the men's matches and some big ones right off the top. Vash's Stampede beat Eikichi Onizuka by a score of 41-54. to 54. Um, Spike Spiegel beat Guts from Berserk really easily, not even close. And the current match we, are, we, we have right now is Roy Mustang is going up against uh, Shizuo from Do Da Da Da. So, Go Roy. Yeah, Roy's going to poop on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, snap. Okay. So right now we're going to take a quick anime news break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about life in Japan and answering some questions that are posed by people on the forum. And we're going to get to that, and it will be really interesting for, hopefully interesting for people that are listening to learn a little bit more about the country of Japan, what it's like to be here. 
Then we're going to take another news break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be reviewing two anime from the summer 2013 season, uh, Gin no Saji, Silver Spoon, and There is No God on Sunday, the Sunday Without God. So stay tuned, and we will be back after this message. you AAA character battle players out there, this is Chiaki and this is your anime news break. First up, anime can be far out there sometimes and, well, really, no, no really far out there. The Nico Nico Planetarium Club founder Hoshikaze P and Ori Halakon project developer Toshiyuki Takahei has took, taken virtual idol Hatsune Miku into space at the Sinra Dome Planetarium at the Tokyo Science Museum. Ori Halicon is a real-time 3D visualization software, and what better way to put it to use than throwing a space concert with Hatsune Miku. The event included Hatsune Miku-themed experiments including Miku Miku dance projection, real-time dancing rendered on the planetarium screen, interactive games, dome video projections of the audience created in real-time, and a bunch of other things. You can of course find photos of this event on the internet. Now if you don't believe me from that alone that, well, anime can be far out there in space sometimes, did you know that a recently discovered asteroid, number 883, has been named Miyazaki Hayao, after that Hayao Miyazaki of Studio Ghibli? This isn't the first anime asteroid lurking around in space. Anime characters such as Totoro, Kamen Rider, Anpanman, and a bunch of other creators have their own asteroids. Just a fun fact to think about the next time you look at the stars that Totoro and Miyazaki, in a way, are kind of looking down at you. Another news for those of you who are in on the pre-order pre bandwagon, here's some updates on cool things that you might want to get your hands on. There's an Attack on Titan business card holder coming out from 2PM Works and Garni. It's a little bit pricey and it comes at 10,290 yen, which is about $103. There's also Kuroko no Basuke knit caps, which I completely love because these really cute little beanies are, well, perfect for anime fans because they look like your standard sports beanies and don't look like anime, but everyone knows. There's also 3D Gundam iPhone cases, which look amazing, and I'm sure the boys at Gundam will be interested in it. And, well, do you have a special lady, perhaps, in your life who loves anime? From Movic, there is an Eevee ring with a Swarovski crystal, and it comes in a special case. Each ring, though, unsurprisingly, is 10,500 yen, or $150. It will be ready, though, before Christmas if there's someone special for you to buy it for. For those of you who are cosplayers out there, a quick note. Cospa is releasing a faithful replica of the coin used by character Mikoto from a certain magical index and a certain scientific railgun. You can find the coin made of zinc alloy for just a reasonable thousand yen at the end of January 2014. This was Chiaki and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back to the show soon.
Wow, I'm caught up on all my anime for this season's reviews. How'd you get all that stuff watched? I thought you were like 30 episodes behind. I've been watching anime on the train on the way to work. How are you watching anime on the train? iPhone? Oh, I've been using Hulu Plus. Hulu Plus? What's that? You've probably tried Hulu.com. Hulu Plus is so much more. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite shows anytime, anywhere. Hulu Plus lets you watch thousands of hit TV shows and movies in the living room or on the go with your smartphone or tablet. With Hulu Plus, you can watch your favorite TV shows like Attack on Titan, Naruto Shippuden, One Piece, Black Lagoon, and more. Watch every episode of shows like Bleach, Dragon Ball Z, Sword Art Online, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and more. You can also check out exclusive content including Hulu originals like The Wrong Mans and Behind the Mask, Hulu's new docu-series that takes you inside the world of sports mascots. You'll also get access to a collection of ad-free movies and kids' content. For only $7.99 a month, catch up on current shows, binge on old favorites, or catch a great movie. Stream as many TV shows and movies as you want, wherever you want. Right now, you can try Hulu Plus for free for two weeks when you go to HuluPlus.com slash anime. That's a special offer for our listeners. Make sure you use HuluPlus.com forward slash anime so you get the extended free trial and they know that we sent you. Go to HuluPlus.com forward slash anime right now for your extended two-week free trial. And we're back with the 205th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. How did you guys hold up during the news break? Okay. It was pretty good. Pretty good. So I have a special little gift that I bought for you guys when I was grocery shopping this week. Oh. What's that? So in Japan, people might know that there are many flavors of Kit Kats, but there are also many flavors of Pocky. What? Yes, indeed. Pocky, the favorite nerdy snack of America also. So now for the Christmas holiday season, they have started to sell rum and raisin flavored Pocky. So holding it up for people in the, in the chat to see, I purchased a large box of rum and raisin Pocky. And I have no idea what this tastes like because I don't really eat Pocky very often. I like it, but I don't eat it too much. But um, I have some, some Pocky here, so I think we should all try it and uh, give it a rating. Give it a food rating. Sounds what, good what to me. What do you guys think? So rum, here, you... rum raisin is one of my favorite flavors. Why don't you pass that uh, Pocky down to Cram, and here's your Pocky Chiaki. I have mine. I will simultaneously try the Pocky, so go All ahead. Right, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, color commentate the eating of the Pocky by oh, uh, Cram and Chiaki. Mm. Oh, that's good. Holy is shit. It, is it really good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, holy shit even. Wow. Damn. So, uh, for those of you that don't live in Japan, you really should come here and eat rum and raisin Pocky during Christmas. Okay, I'll have one more. Oh my. Mm. It's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. It's all right, actually. I'm not, I'm not too crazy about it. Five out of five. Five out of five. I'll give it a, give it a three and a half. What? Weird. You're weird. I don't know. I, like, I, I just like the strawberry flavor better. I don't know. I'm sorry. There was a dark time in my life when my diet consisted mostly of ball soda and Pocky. Oh my <laughs> God, I love ball soda. I'm proud of that. For a second, I thought you were just going to stop at balls. And I was going to be like, My that. diet consisted of balls. <laughs> That's a really That's dark what? time, Cram. You, like, you like balls, Cram? I do. I did like balls. Do they don't, I don't think they make that anymore. They do make it. 
Do they? Do you like the taste of balls in your mouth? It's I it's do. it's made in Florida. Did oh, you know that? that? Okay, that's, we can get it in okay. Florida. All right, well, give me some. Oh, I'm gonna give you some balls. You yes, can, you please can, give me balls. You can just take it. Please put the balls in my mouth. Okay, so moving on from that, the the topic we're doing today is slice of life in Japan. Since we actually live in Japan, we're probably better equipped than most to discuss various aspects of living in this country. And because we all watch anime, we're all innately fascinated with Japan, especially if 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 this person hasn't already been there. So, you know, you see Japan in anime, but is what you're seeing true or you know, questions you might have logistically about moving here. So we uh, we asked this question to the people on our forum, and we had a handful of questions sent to us. And I think we should we should try to balance the episode between questions that were posed by the forum and questions that were that we came up with to talk about. That's and good. Uh, j- just real quick, the um, icy demon ice demon nineteen forty six in the chat asked a question about the pocky, and uh, they asked, "Does the does it have rum in it?" And no. I'm no. no, it doesn't it's have rum. rum flavor. Yeah, it, it's rum. It's flavor, probably so. rum extract, which probably means there's like point zero 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 one. What is rum? What is rum distilled? What is it distilled from? I don't even know that. Who the hell knows? I should I know. know that. Anyway, I'm, so wow, I feel really dumb all of a sudden. Rum so. is made from sugarcane. Oh, okay. Sugarcane molasses. Sugar that makes sense. That, that does make sense. They grow it in the Caribbean. That that grows in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean love rum. I've been to the Bacardi factory actually in the Caribbean. But why is the rum gone? <laughs> why anyway, so is the rum gone? But the rum pocky is not gone. Om nom nom. So if people in the if people in the chat also have questions about Japan, we'll try to get to those too. But we have limited time, so let's get going. Miss Bones from the forum writes: My Japan question concerns living costs and salary. How cheap or expensive is everyday life in Japan, and what would you consider a decent salary? I actually think living in Japan in a suburb of Tokyo is cheaper than living in Florida. Believe it or not. Yeah. The rent for my house, I, ha- I have a big-ass house. It's bigger than where I lived in America. My rent per month is less than $700. And the utilities are really not very expensive either. They're like 200 bucks. I will say it can get very expensive very quickly. Like, we definitely all live in, in true suburb and even the second you start to get into cities, like the closest, I'd say one of the, the closest biggest cities to us is Scuba. Scuba and Kashiwa. Or the Scuba, two, Kashiwa, yeah. yeah. And I would say that once you start getting into Scuba, you're back to, I know somebody who has a a 1DK in Scuba. What, which so, is, what, so what is a 1DK? So the way that they do um, house sizes here in Japan, if you're ever looking for apartments or houses in Japan, is they have a number, and that's the number of rooms that they have. And then they have the letters L, D, and K. And what that means is that's kind of considered to be the communal area. So if you have a 1K, you have a one-room place with like a galley kitchen, like the kitchen is in your hallway. If you have a 1DK, it means you have like one room and then another room that serves as like your kitchen or communal area, and that's it. If you have a 1LDK, that means that you have a large enough room for a actual kitchen as well as a like living area that you could put a sofa, and then you have an extra room on top of that. So I have a friend who has a 1DK, meaning he has like a kind of a galley kitchen attached to a room with then a small bedroom. And that's his apartment in Scuba. And I think that 
in the heart of of scuba is costing him around four mon a month which is around or maybe a little over four mon which is like just over four hundred dollars is what he's paying for it and i mean that's pretty expensive for tiny place that isn't really tokyo so I would say when it comes to living in in Japan and and as far as the prices you can expect to pay for rent is even if it's not Tokyo. I mean of course if it's Tokyo you're that little it's one It's going to be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that 1DK apartment is going to be like 800 a month. It and that's even in like the the not desirable quote unquote places to live like if you want to live in Shinjuku but I, mean, I you think can, you can find places in Tokyo that are like three or four mon a month which is about three or four hundred dollars but what you're going to end up finding is Is a closet it's going to be a 1k and it's going to have a communal bath uh and it's going to be in a really really old terrible building yeah um you're going to be living in squalid conditions i would say a good salary since they asked um if you are by yourself i would say you should shoot for about at least 26 mon a month, so $2,600. And that's assuming that you aren't planning on living in a city area. You don't particularly need or want much more space than maybe like a one or a two LDK. And and like I said, you're okay with living outside the city. Then then I think that's a, a manageable salary for one person. If you came here and lived and worked as an ALT like I, like I am, you can live pretty well and still save money. And it's not and the an ALT makes like two thousand four hundred dollars a month, so Yeah, between yeah, something like that. So it it's Japan's Although, not as Japan's not as not as expensive. There's a gigantic gap between the cost of living in Tokyo and the cost of living everywhere else. Yeah. So the um uh, what you, what you might consider a livable salary though, like bottom very, very bottom line. I mean, I know a couple that lived off of between 150,000 and 200,000 uh, yen, so about 1,500 to $2,000 a month um, for like uh, over a year, and they were more or less fine. All right, I, I got to move us on. I'm sorry. That's fine. So Daddy Smokes Cherry from the chat writes, is it still true that there are used panty vending machines in Japan, i.e. those that sell used schoolgirl underwear, and have any of you seen one? I knew we were going to get this question. I have never seen a used panty vending machine. Actually, I have... Okay. So I've never seen a used panty vending machine. But in various porn shops in Akihabara, you can buy used, quote-unquote, used panties in porn shops. I've seen used panties. Um, I've seen a used panty gachapon. Like, oh, like, that's... Really? Yeah. I think that's probably what but, they mean. But it's it's like... I've seen one. Was it inside a porn store? It was inside oh, a porn okay. store. It was at the bottom floor in a corner, and it was, you know, quote-unquote used. I didn't buy one. Okay, so in, in Akihabara, in a porn shop, you can find it. But not but not just chilling on the street. Yeah, not on the street. And they, they don't let you take, like, they don't want it to exist. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there might be a couple still around, because every once in a while you'll hear someone be like, oh, my God, I totally found a panty vending machine, this crazy rare thing that everybody thought was ubiquitous and, you know, everywhere that isn't really. Okay, so next question, Daddy Smokes Cherry also asks, are the Japanese heavy smokers? Finished reading Tokyo Vice, and it great seems book. like great book. Seems like every single person, so every second person is smoking. Is that the case in Japan? Yes, I would say in Japan, people smoke about as much as in in, in any other country. It seems that way, what? like I, America. I, yeah. 
I think smoking I, I is think more prevalent here. It's probably a probably a thirty five percent smoke rate, uh, especially among men though. Like I think in the United States, you've got a a, a, a bigger distribution among w- men and women smokers, and I I think that there are very clearly a lot more male smokers in Japan than women. Maybe maybe I think it just feels like more because where I'm from in Florida, they separate. You can't smoke in restaurants. And here in Japan, of course, there's smoking and non-smoking sections, but you can smoke in restaurants. So maybe, maybe my perception is just that there's a lot more because I'm forced to see it a lot more than what I was in the States. I feel like there's a lot more smokers, but that's just, and that's just me. Icy Rose from the chat asked if there are any places where you can eat really spicy curry in Japan. And I'll just answer this question question quickly by saying, if you come to Japan, there's a chain called Kokuichiban that has spicy curry. So, moving on from that. Quite spicy. Nelly1876 really, in the chat. You can punish yourself pretty hardcore. Asks, do you see people with pets as often as you do in America? No, nope. pets are a novelty here. They're stupid expensive. Like, your your generic, like, mutt cat is like $1,000. And most places don't allow you to have pets. So, yeah. pets are really, like, a novelty luxury item and not like they are in America. Um, Righteous Ramza on the forum asked, my specific question is whether it's easier to learn Japanese here. I'm, I I don't know where here is. I'm just going to assume it's America. Not Japan. Yeah. Or would it be better to learn once I'm in Tokyo? I, as I'm in finance, it wouldn't be required for my line of work, but I still wish to learn it well so I can help. It can help me establish the kind of social lifestyle I currently have here living in the States. Okay, so yeah, the States. The answer to this question is that it's incredibly difficult to learn Japanese in America because no one there speaks it, and it's not used. And you're never, you definitely aren't going to learn kanji in America because it's difficult to learn kanji when you can't see it on a daily basis and read it in, in like on signs and in your daily life. So, as take it from someone who was trying to learn Japanese in America, it's 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 much harder. So, I also want to say too this notion of of being in finance and not having Japanese be required. If you are working for a Japanese company and you're not being expatted over or something like that with with translators or you're not a higher level position, they will probably want you to have N2 level Japanese. Because even if you work with numbers or something like that, you're going to have to answer emails or attend meetings write reports. or write reports and do a bunch of things that, that will require. Of course, we've met people who don't speak Japanese who are in all kinds of, of business level positions. But just as someone who's who's looked through business level positions on job postings and things like that, most jobs are going, if you're just applying, again, a company's not sending you or something, most jobs are going to want you to have N2 Japanese. And N2 Japanese is pretty advanced, so get studying. Wow. Um, we had a question from the forum from, from Karate Bum. Are there burrito places there? God, I wish there was, but no. No, there aren't. Well, uh, well. No, there aren't. The Japanese version that doesn't have beans or cheese. There are a couple of places in Tokyo where there are guys that spent a lot of time in Mexico and South America, and they've come over to try to okay. bring that okay. to Okay, there's Japan. one place in Tokyo in the whole, <laughs> the whole of Japan where you can find but, a, a good burrito. Right. Okay, so you're, so in other words, I've no. never had a good burrito in Japan. I'm not saying those places don't exist, but I'm saying I've never had one. Continuing to blow through the questions from the forum, under a bridge eating BG asks: Most people, from what I've read, suggest living outside of places like Tokyo and just traveling into the city. Besides cost, what are the benefits? Do you think this has less crowded? I definitely think that's a good idea. You can easily live outside of Tokyo and train in if, if, and train in just about 30 minutes on on you know a major train line. And you're going to have lower cost of living. It's going to be safer. You're going to have a lot less p- 
pollution and it's like it'll be less crowded and less noisy and one of the big things that i love not living in the big city or that i don't think i would have if i did live in the big city as much is there's a very strong sense of community that still exists through most places in japan and if you live in a small town you for better or for worse you're known you're the neighborhood gaijin you're the neighborhood foreigner and and you you become part of the community i feel like and and that's been something that i've really really enjoyed living in a small town like i go i go paint with old japanese ladies um every month and it's really sweet and that's i don't cute. think i could do that if i lived in tokyo or a big city at least not as easily sometimes i run into people that are apparently my neighbors and <laughs> in in random places and they call me by name and i'm like oh, i don't know who you are but you know who I am. <laughs> My favorite was when I was when a new lady joined our painting group because because we're all pretty much neighbors and um, a new lady joined our painting group and she was like, oh, yes, I've seen other foreigners at the supermarket. Do you know them? And I wanted to be like, that's so racist. Just because I'm a foreigner, you think I. Yes, I know them. I, I do, actually. I do. Actually. We, we hang out all the time. Yeah, we hang out. All, we're like best friends. I drive to work with with one of them. <laughs> So unless you're one of those people that has to live in like the nightlife and have the Tokyo and have the oh I love New York City at 10:30 at night and I have to live in the city, I don't know. You could live outside the city and be happy. Uh, under a bridge eating BG also writes, I know students slash teachers get covered under the health insurance here there in Japan. What about just general travelers or people who move to Japan? What kind of health insurance options do you have over there? If you're a general traveler, you need to check with your insurance company to see if it covers any international traveler. What the policies are on that. Signing up for Japanese health insurance is kind of a bitch. So just like everything in Japan that requires paperwork. So but if you're gonna live here, you have to do yeah. it. You have to yeah, but so but if you're just a traveler, yeah, what Shiaki said. Yeah, if you're living here though, everyone signs up for the national health insurance and it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty great. I love it. <laughs> Last question, under a bridge eating BG also writes, going from there, I've heard of having to get a Yakan Shomei for prescriptions. Is this like a yearly thing? I've heard it's not mandatory to get one. But if you don't, immigration can just seize your prescription drugs at their discretion. I actually had one of these the first time I moved to Japan. I, I had beta blockers for anyone who knows what those are. And I got one of those and I had it translated into Japanese and I did all the things that I was supposed to do. And customs didn't even care. Customs didn't even blink. Like I tried to show it to them and they were just like, whatever. So Japan's pretty relaxed. It also depends on what you're trying to bring over That's too. True too. If you if you try to bring over something that is uh, specifically uh, in the law written as a controlled substance, um, even with a yakan shomei, it may not. They may not let you through with it. If it's, I would say, if it's something like as a girl, I'll just put this out there. If it's something like birth control or yeah. something very very generic, I wouldn't worry too much. But if it's something like you know, you have pain problems and you're on a strong painkiller mm. or something, then then get something from your doc. Just get something basic, even if you don't want to go through the hassle. Just something basic that says what you have and why you need it. I'll tell you right now, Japan is... Japanese police and customs, etc., are looking for one thing and one thing only when it comes to drugs, and that's methamphetamine. Yeah, I had a very lengthy presentation with my new company when I signed up about drugs and 90% of drug arrests in Japan are methamphetamine drug are drug related because people here work until they die they have a term for that and methamphetamine makes you crazy it makes you go 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 so there should be a a remake of Breaking Bad set in Tokyo companies actually used to give meth to their employees to keep them yeah I know 
It's pretty crazy. So one more question from the chat. Uh, many people were asking this question. It was second. It was second and third and fourth. Do you have to know? Do you have to know a lot of Japanese to get around Japan and to travel? I think I think we've covered this before, but I'm gonna I take think so. I'm gonna take a spin on it that goes with this episode. To travel, no, I don't think you need a lot of Japanese or or really much, especially if you stay in the major tourist areas of Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're coming to live, I will say there are processes that are undeniably easier if you do know Japanese yeah. or if you have someone who can help you through them. Like going to a real estate agent or getting your health insurance oh, yeah. set up or But this is just for traveling. I, I know, but I'm I'm trying to spin it to be okay, relevant okay, to the okay, topic okay, that okay, we're okay, having, okay. which is living here. And and if you're living here then then definitely find a buddy who's good at Japanese. But if you if you're brought over by a company or a school, which I imagine most people are, there's going to be someone in that sphere who's going to be able to and or willing to help you. So just to give you, because I'm imagining that this is the scenario that people have in their heads. People are imagining being in Ueno Station, really crowded, and they're wandering around with baggage, and they're and they're, and they're trying to find their next train transfer, and they don't really read Jap, they can't read Japanese, and can't really speak it. So this is what you do. You're wandering around. You're lost. I don't know where to go. Ueno Station is like the size of a shopping mall. So what are you going to do? Or, or, or two mall. shopping malls. And what you would do is you would just go to a JR or Metro train attendant. And the chances are pretty good that if you just say where you're, where you're trying to go, like, oh, I'm trying to go to Asakusa or something, the train attendant well, someone there's a good chance that somebody there will speak enough English to, to to get you in the right direction. And even if they can't, all the train lines are numbered, so they would just say track ten, five thirty or something, five you know five thirty p.m. And you would just do that. In general, though, I mean, I recommend you know a little Japanese. I mean, you have a be- you're gonna have a better trip. Yeah. People are so charmed when you can bring speak. Bring a phrase book. Yeah. Just bring yeah. a dictionary so yeah. you can have something to point to. Japanese like is pretty easy to pronounce and. They people are really charmed when you when you speak even the slightest bit of English to them. I mean, even just saying, you know, what floor you'd want to go to on an elevator, people will be like, Oh, so so amazing for Japanese. Faya's Daniel from the chat asks, Is accountancy a focus course for universities in Japan? Also any universities in Japan focus on accountancy. So accountancy questions. I would say that Japan is definitely one of the countries that the sciences are still a very big thing, and what I mean by that is Liberal arts colleges aren't really a thing here, or arts colleges in general, I feel like, are, are less less seen, per se. I feel like most colleges, you're going to find a lot of those technical degrees, like high business degrees, finance, accounting, or science degrees, chemistry, biology, robotics, things like that. And and this is just from, I've, I've looked at starting my doctoral program, and there's a university in Scuba, so I was looking at the courses they offered in in English or whatnot, and the programs they had, and pretty much everything they had was was very technical degrees, finance, business, computer, sciences, and things like that. You don't, I think you'd have an easier time finding something like finance than finding something like music. Not to say that, that music isn't here, or there aren't great music colleges and art colleges, but I think that, that if you go to college, I feel like people go to college more for the other type of degrees. You know, and a side note, if you were to visit Japan and come to Tokyo, maybe Mitsugi can show you around Tokyo. Maybe yeah, I'll do, if maybe you're I'll do that for you. coming to Japan and you don't tell us you're coming to Japan, you're yeah. on Chiaki's sad face list. I'm happy and I, I'm perfectly happy to, 
train into Tokyo and take you around Akihabara. And I speak enough Japanese to pretty much ask any question you'd need. So, yeah, it'd be fun. Okay, so we're, we'll continue to ask to answer questions that the chat has, but I want to move on to some of our personal interesting topics that we threw together. Mine's a little bit more fun, flaky, a little fluffiness, so I want to do mine first. We haven't talked about, I don't think we've talked about the chain restaurants in Japan before, have we? All the different chain restaurants? Mm, probably not. Loosely, if anything. So there's, alright, so for those people that don't know, there are, there are, I, I jokingly say, five foods in Japan. There are ha- There's hamburg, curry, noodles, katsu, and sushi. And just asking Cram, Cram, what percentage of restaurants would you say ham- hamburg, curry, noodles, katsu, and sushi make up? Man, I feel like hamburg is going to be the number one, and it's... Yeah. Well, like, is that like what? What would you say? Like, ninety percent of restaurants serve that food. Oh, oh. Um, Think about every restaurant chain restaurant? you know. Of all restaurant restaurants. Restaurant chains like Saizaria um, and Don Quixote or Biggity Donkey. I don't know. I'd say at least uh, thirty or thirty percent or so serve. It's way hamburger. higher than that. You you think? I don't know. I mean, for restaurant chains though, there are some places that serve really really specific stuff. Like, yeah, but if you're if you're if you were just to walk through like Ueno Station, and you're looking at like the food court, Hamburg curry noodles, katsu and sushi will make up pretty much every restaurant. Yeah, basically. Yeah, there are there are specific restaurants, but um, I mean, but, there's always going to be a, like a Washoku place, and like a noodles covers a really large swath of those because that covers udon, ramen, uh, soba, Italian. Yeah, if you if you throw Italian in there too. Uh, by the way, wa- washoku is is traditional Japanese like portioned yeah. food and not a fan. Fish miso rice, think that. So the super fast chains in Japan are Yoshinoya, Matsuya, Skia, and I put Kokuichiban. And I I put these specifically because I think that when people in Japan when when, when people think of something like a beef bowl, they a lot of people probably immediately think about various anime or maybe the scene in Persona Four. <laughs> Where you have like the, the mega beef bowl challenge where you'll never see the bottom of the bowl because it's so big. You can go to Skia and get like a mega beef bowl. So delicious. It's really good. I want to go to Skia today. It's, I mean, it's pretty good. And, and a beef bowl is like ridiculously th- like, like paper thin slices of shredded beef. I'm laid on top of a mountain of rice with like sauce over it. Donburi in general is just Japan's fast food, like yeah. the Japanese fast food. Um, and there are at least three uh, major uh, gyudon specifically, which is beef, just the beef bowl chains. But then there's also uh, like tendon, which is like tempura over rice, or uh, katsu is a, a chain that is katsudon, so katsu over rice. Basically, if you see anything don, it's something something on top of rice yeah. in a bowl. That's and it's a really easy way to like cook Japanese food at home. Like, oh, yeah. you put some mirin, some soy sauce, some some dashi, some chicken, and some egg in a in a pot, and pour it over rice, and voila, oyakodon. Yep. Phase Dan- Danielle in the chat keeps asking questions about Malaysian food and stuff like that. And I- I'm really I'm 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 sorry to tell you that J- J- the the population of Japan is 98.5 percent native Japanese, and because of that, they don't really cater to anything except themselves. You're not going to find Malaysian restaurants. I would say the next most common restaurant of of ethnic foods, not counting, well, even if we counted American ethnic as an ethnic food, I would say the next most popular is probably Indian. 
or Italian Indian or Italian. Or Italian. Well, uh, well, well, with okay. Italian, you've got Caesarea, which is so they're everywhere. Yeah. Well, Italian. I don't know. Okay, so maybe Italian, but it's kind of the Japanese Italian. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but I'm talking like like when I go into restaurants and I see people who are from that country running the restaurant type of authentic. I would say I see more Middle Eastern, I mean, India, Pakistan, it, 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 Nepalese. That kind of, Nepalese. Nepalese is huge. It's intense. Like if you want to get just a just a cheeseburger that's not McDonald's, you might have to go to Tokyo for that. I mean, you're just they're just it's just literally what I just said. Hamburg, curry, noodles, katsu sushi. That's what you'll find in restaurants. Yeah. You're not gonna find Malaysian or German or you know any other types of foods because it's just there's no one of that there's there's no of no one of that ethnicity living in Japan. Actually, probably the most common ethnic food is ramen. If you count yeah. that as Chinese, so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> totally counts. I'm gonna zip through the rest of these real quick. Kokuichiban is that really spicy curry place I mentioned earlier, where it's one of my favorite places. I ate there yesterday, and you can really jack up the spicy level of your curry to the point where you can't eat it anymore. It's my favorite chain, totally my favorite chain. Oh in yeah, Japan. It's so good. It's really amazing, and um. If you come to Japan and visit me, I will take you to Kokuichi Banya in Akihabara, and you Our will have favorite one. Yeah, and you will have the most amazing time ever. Fast, fast chains. I just put Katsuya. I really love Katsuya, but again, that's Katsu, which is in the five food groups, and they serve all kinds of fried katsus, fried shrimp, katsu don, and uh, any number of other things. And then you have the sit-down restaurants, and this is where it begins. This is where I think it's pretty humorous because you have you have so many chains like Caesarea. Cafe Gusto, Denny's. I think it's Gusto. Did you know that? Gusto, whatever. Like you're filled with gusto and. Yeah, but don't. Yeah, but it's. Yeah, but yeah, but it's. Verb. Yeah, but the katakana is gusto. Yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. But I get what you're saying. It's yeah. it's katakana goal. Caesarea, uh, Gusto, Denny's. Denny's is bullshit. Uh, yeah. Donkey. And the funny thing about these restaurants is that. They were all identical. They're all the exact same. They sell the much. exact same food. Bikuri donkey. <laughs> My wife and I have this really great joke about bikuri donkey because the what bikuri means surprise yeah. in Japanese. Yep. So the name of this restaurant is Surprise Donkey. <laughs> and I, our our ongoing joke, like we don't go to bikuri donkey. We went once and we didn't like it all that much. Um, but our our joke about bikuri donkey is they bring your food <laughs> to the table and they say surprise, it's donkey meat. <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, it's a it's a steak restaurant and meat restaurant. Karate bomb from the chat asks an interesting question. Um, I have a different concern: dairy. I can't eat dairy. Do I have to worry about stuff with cheese being added to it? Actually, I think Japan is a great place to not be able to eat dairy because yeah, absolutely, dairy is super expensive here. Most places you have to pay extra to have any kind of cream or cheese added. I'm not saying don't be careful, but traditional even non-traditional Japanese food normally isn't cooked with butters or creams or cheeses. So Hamburg normally doesn't have any of those. Um, any kind of traditional Japanese food, sushi or whatever, isn't going to have any of those. The closest you might get is some egg. Um, egg might be a, a egg sushi or whatever. But but no, I, I wouldn't worry too much about, about dairy products. Just, 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 one, just one more quick thing, and then I'm totally just jettisoning this to you guys. Denny's is not at all what you think it is. That you you can't really get pancakes. It's so doo doo. You, it's, you it's can't a lie. you can't get American breakfast food in Japan. And if you and there's actually one place in Tokyo that sells waffles, and they'll charge you like twenty five dollars for a waffle. That's because waffles Stupid. are a dessert here. They're like, ah, I'm eating waffles and having a. Well, coffee. it should. In all, in all fairness, it should be a dessert. We, we did not talk about the Japanification of American 
fast food like oh, McDonald's God. and KFC. So like the Denny's sells no breakfast food at all, and you'll get like your hamburg and I don't know, it's not very good. It's definitely not Denny's. If you walk into Denny's, you're gonna get not Denny's. You're never you're not you're not gonna find bacon. You're not gonna find sausages. You're not gonna find eggs. You're not gonna find a grand slam. No not, cheeseburgers. No even, cheeseburgers. Like no, no patty melt, none of that. I think the coolest thing that I had at an American restaurant in Japan, and I might have said this before, but when I went to a Krispy Kreme, one of the first Krispy Kremes in Shibuya in Tokyo, and it was, wasn't long after they opened, this was like a year or two ago, and they gave me a donut and a coffee for free. Because I was American. <laughs> That's because you're blonde. And they were like, they were like, oh, you like Krispy Kreme? And I'm like, yeah, I'm American. Like, of course I like Krispy like, Kreme. Holy- and they're like, here, will you eat it here? And I was like... Okay. Like, holy shit, here comes I'll, a... I'll stand outside. Here comes that female <laughs> titan. We better give her a donut so she doesn't transform and kill us. Oh, shit. It's good advertisement. Just stand outside the, the brand new Krispy Kreme with your coffee and donut. Just every time you take a bite. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Please, everyone, go inside and have one of these. I think that would make Japanese people so uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable. If I'm, like, eating yeah. a donut going... Uh, I don't know. That's basically how they react on their food shows. <laughs> why don't we? Why don't we? There's a lot. There's a lot more that we could say about food, but why don't we move on? Because right. there's lots of things that we can talk about that are important for living in Japan, not just eating. So some of the things that I thought about living in Japan was the things that I didn't expect to have. I can't say I didn't expect to have to do them, but but you you go with the preconceived notions that it's going to be like your country wherever your country is, and it's not. Even if you're like, I know it's going to be different, but you don't, you just, you don't expect how different it's going to be. So one of the things that I want to talk about is the taxes and taxes over here are an interesting thing. And it's something that actually gets a lot of people in trouble. Oftentimes the way they do taxes is they will, they don't, and and correct me if I'm wrong, because you've been here longer, Cram, but Oftentimes the way they do it is they send you a bill like every six months or every year for your income taxes based off of the past year's salary. And so you can get a bill for taxes that's all of a sudden like eight mon or $800 that goes over the past like income tax for the past couple months. Is that is that anywhere yeah. ballpark? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Um, so you can basically escape paying taxes for like the first year you live here. You don't escape. You just don't have any taxes because yeah. you don't have any Japanese income. Yeah. You're escaping, okay? It's an escape. And and so Pr- prison break. The first year can be really really good for people, but what you have to kind of imagine or think about if you're going into the second or the third year living here is that you're going to start getting hit with those. Another thing is the health insurance. The health insurance comes in 6-month packs and they're you pay them at you pay them at like Seven Eleven or a convenience store. Mine come in nine month packs. Is it nine months? I mine do. I don't know. Your yours might be different. I, I'm not sure. It, I never pay attention to how many come in a pack. And basically, you can either pay them all at once, or you can pay them month to month. And the health insurance is also calculated off your previous year's salary. That's entirely how it's calculated. So if you make more money, you pay more for health insurance, and it's the same insurance for everyone. So, like for for example, the the first year that I was here, I would get the pack of you know the the entire year's worth of health insurance, and it would be in a package that had nine different bills in it, so that had their own uh, due dates, and like the total of every one of those bills was like. 200 bucks for the entire year yeah of that's insurance. about what what it's at and can, can I, I just d- paid it all at once can i just say real quick how easy it is to pay bills here rather than having to mail it in or, or 
you can go online and email or or set up set up some stuff. bullshit and have to wait online on the phone with some guy. You literally take your the bills come in the mail. You take them to the Seven Eleven and they scan them at the register and you pay in cash at the register and it's amazing. Japan is an incredibly cash-based society. Most people don't own a plastic card of any variety. Yeah, well, and that's well, a little inconvenient. Or, well, rechargeable. They have. Yeah, re- rechargeable. The closest thing would be some some kind of rechargeable bank card, but most stores don't take it. That's the thing. Oh, most yeah, yeah. stores don't take like you'll have a bank card. Everyone has card, a cash card and but, you use your cash card to take to take cash out of machines that close yes. for some stupid <laughs> reason. Um but uh you use cash for everything here in Japan. It's it's really weird, but I won't think twice about walking around with three hundred dollars on me. I've walked oh, around yeah. with eight hundred dollars yeah. on me. Yeah, it's it's common knowledge that, that Japanese people are not comfortable walking around with anything less than one mon, which is ten thousand yen or about a hundred bucks. Yeah, and and I I normally won't leave the house without that myself. So yeah. national health insurance taxes those will get those you have to get set up and you have to register with your local government office in your city. Um, getting a driver's license. Oh this my God! Was something nightmare. That I had to Please, Chiaki. <laughs> talk about this for a little while. So, Japanese bureaucracy is fantastic and miserable at the same time. It's fantastic, but you have to jump through the hoops very nicely, or else it's just a pain. I took my Japanese driver's test five times before I passed. Poor Chiaki. Five times. One time they. They told me the reason why I failed was I was seven centimeters too close to the left-hand line. That was why I failed. In other words, you can't pass your first time because they just want you to pay more yeah. money. I had to take it twice. My wife took it three times. I I've took- never met anyone personally who passed it on the first Tram, try. Tram, I passed it on my second try. Yeah. High five to us. <sighs> Poor Chiaki. It's okay. <laughs> Patting Chiaki on the head because it was it's a bitter moment for her. Well, it's... And, and the thing is, though, is that there's stuff like that in Japanese bureaucracy where they expect you to fail and don't don't feel too sad about it because there's just a magic number that they decide that that's how many times you have to take you, it. You have to be the perfect amount of like humble and confident. And if you're too confident, then they won't pass you. And if you're too humble, then they won't pass you. So. Yeah, there's a there's like a 10 page driving kata, like a like a. You you have to you have to the things you have to do before you even start the car is absurd. You have to literally walk to the back of the car, look under it, walk to the right, the front, the, and the and the left side of the car, and check under it. Check all the tires. Make sure that when if you're gonna walk towards towards traffic, you look both ways. Open the door with both hands. Open the, close the door with both. Hands. Open the door by putting one hand on the on the door frame and open it and pulling the handle with the other hand. Getting in the car, pulling both both pulling the, the door shut with both hands. Putting on your seatbelt, checking everybody else's seatbelts, checking all your mirrors, adjusting your seat, and then and then you disengaging start disengaging the, the parking brake. Disengage the parking brake, then start the car. I, I'm afraid that if you did all those things, that you've already failed because you failed to look both ways before you opened the door to the car. <laughs> 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 Boom. That's but how hard the test is. Someone in the chat asked about driving. I think the prefecture we live in, and I've talked with Japanese people about this, it's kind of weird. Most people own cars in Ibaraki, but most prefectures, I'd say people don't own cars. So I say this is one of the things I bring up for living in Japan that most people probably don't have to deal with and will never have to deal with. But if you do, know that that's something that is going to... Okay, so let's move on from this. You have Because the next point you have is really important and we're running out of time. 
the last one that I have goes back to the socialized medicine and health insurance. And one of the things that's interesting in Japan and that's difficult for foreigners is medicine. And the OTCs or over-the-counters here in Japan are awful. They suck. Except for one, which is very random. It's called Braun, and it has codeine in it. And you're like... You can get crunk. <laughs> you're just like, wait, Japan, you won't let me buy NyQuil, but you're letting me buy something with codeine in it? Anyways, most... Boy, it's, it's, it's like two steps away from opium. Yeah. Great. Most most OTCs are awful and don't do anything. And the way that they want you to use the national health insurance is you basically go to the doctor for everything. Like in America, if we get sick, you know, we buy a bottle of NyQuil and we buy a bottle of DayQuil and we go about our lives. And if it's not better in like a week or two, then we go to the doctor. But here in Japan, it's like if you're sick a little, you just go to the doctor because it's so cheap to go. A doctor's visit is only about $10 and that's with prescriptions. Other interesting things. Every doctor's office has a pharmacy inside of it. You can't get your prescriptions anywhere else other than the doctor's office you go to. With some prescriptions, and this goes back to the ladies out there because this is just something that's a factor of life for most adult women, things like birth control pills, if you want them, you have to go back to the doctor's office every month. There's no such thing as an auto-refilling prescription. So that's And that goes with anything, though, not just birth control. So if you have a monthly prescription, you have to keep going back to the doctor. But doctor's visits are very cheap, and you get all of your prescriptions and stuff there, and it's very nice to do. Yes, why don't we let Cram, since we only we really only have like five minutes, but let's give it to Cram. Oh. So. Okay. Um, the first point, I, I just want to cover some weird differences uh, in just a few points. One of them is driving. Uh, some traffic laws are different in Japan. That's that's kind of interesting. Um, no, so many people know that you do drive on the left side of the road in Japan, uh, but unlike the United States, there is no left turn allowed on the on a red light, which uh, is awful. Yeah, which is awful. Um, like there is in the United States, where if you make a full stop at a red light, you can make a uh, right a right, right turn. Um, also, uh, if you're inside an intersection when a light turns red, you're you haven't technically run the red light. If you're inside the intersection, you're you're good to go. If you're two cars behind the car inside the intersection, <laughs> you're good to go. Right. There, there, there's in the area where I live. There's almost no police. I see a police car like once every yeah, exactly. week. Exactly. That's so, my next point was police. I'm speaking. I'm, I'm speaking honestly when I say this. I probably run five red lights a day. That I swear to I swear that's the truth. Like technically by the Japanese standard, like like f- like, like I'm not even in the intersection. It's totally red, and I just blast. And you're just it. like, f it. <laughs> yeah, because that most people do, and the lights here are timed where all lights are red for a good yeah. like five seconds so in, because everyone does this in America. When one light turns red, the 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 the, the adjacent light or whatever mm. turns turns green in like a second. In Japan, there's like a four-second delay because they're so all about safety here. So, like, who the hell gives a crap? Just blast through it. Police also drive with their lights on. That's yes. really unnerving. It's like, hello, here I am. Watch or out. That. Yeah. If if a if a cop wants you to pull over, they will turn on their their siren. Uh, speed traps are done differently in Japan too. Basically, they'll have one man by himself outside of his car, <laughs> like hiding behind a tree with this with a radar gun. And he'll he'll you know shoot the radar at you, and if you're speeding, he'll radio down to a whole troop of you know his police buddies that even have like a paddy wagon and everything, 
and they will wave you off of the road, like but onto they, the side. They will jump out into the road. They will jump out into the road, <laughs> like people, wave not you cars. off, make you get out of your car, and you have to sit in the paddy wagon. <laughs> and they will talk to you before they give you your ticket. That's how you get a ticket in Japan. If you're, unless if you're speed. a foreigner and you go, I, I don't, don't speak yeah, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, police. Presence is a little low. Uh, police, we've talked about this before. Police also do beats. So uh, if a police officer is on a cell phone, on your cell phone while driving, beat, and he s- sees you speeding, he probably won't pull you over for speeding because that's not his job that day. Um, road etiquette is interesting. Hazard um, lights are used as a thank you. Yes, hazard lights are thank yous. Uh, using your horn is encouraged for not ju- not being an asshole, just you know, making people go and <laughs> do what they're supposed to do. Um, I had almost no trouble driving on the left side of the road or on the different side of the car when I first moved here Uh, but the one thing that threw me for the longest time was the the blinkers and the wipers are switched on the steering wheel so for like the first few months that I was here like I would try to turn on my indicator and I ended up turning on my wipers and then everybody on the road can see me be an asshole and idiot (laughs) um a couple of things about shopping. Shopping is interesting. You have to bag everything yourself. They will give you bags, but they at will not bag everything. At grocery stores, though. At small boutique shops, yeah. they'll bag it for you, but like at bigger stores, like a, say you, which is like Walmart or grocery stores, you have to bag it yourself. But a, but a cute girl in a mask will give you your change. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, the last 10 or 15 minutes of the store's operating hours, they will play Auld Lang Syne. <laughs> this is ubiquitous. Everywhere this in Japan. This is the Japan. GTFO song. Yes. So what is Auld Lang Syne? Auld Lang Syne is... Is that what that song's called? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they play it like 10 minutes before, and that's that's the get out music. Stores have their own themes. There's a there's a big like uh, department store called Don Quixote. Don, don, don. Donkey, Don Quixote. Yeah, and that's that's pretty good. So uh, a lot of stores have that. They will also tape bags shut, like use scotch tape and tape a bag shut. It's kind of random. <laughs> um, they don't have big like carts for shopping. They have baskets and then like these wheelie things that you put the baskets into if you want to push it around. And it'll fit two different baskets if you're going to do a whole lot of shopping, but no big carts or anything like that like you see it in Western stores, I think. Uh, sales tax is, tax is always pre-included and on the shelf label. Yes, so no that's su- Japanese law too. Yes, no surprises there. You pay what you see. Um, narrow roads all over the place uh, and people who like to stop on the on these narrow roads to oh, get on their cell phones. God, I almost had an <laughs> American road rage thing. moment. It was bad traffic and this That's old dude... That's a driving thing, not a shopping thing. Just, but. he flicks on his hazard and he stops in the middle of like this busy road so he can get out and piss in the bushes mm-hmm. and I really wanted mm-hmm. to stop my car and curse at all him. Right, so last comments? Mm, no. I mean, I've, I've there's a ton of stuff that I could talk about but... Um, yeah, I guess well, I'm sure there time. will be another Japan episode sometime in the future. So. Yep. All right, that's it. So for those of you that didn't have you, your, didn't have all of your questions answered, you can, of course, go on the forum and post in the thread for this episode, episode 205, or you can send any one of us a private message on the forum, and we will promptly answer your question, probably. So as long as it's not about buying love dolls and other other things. Although if you come to Japan, I will show you where the love dolls are sold in Akihabara. So you can have fun with that. So for now, we're going to take another news break starring Chiaki. And when we come back, we have two reviews for you. Gin no Saji and... What is it? The Sunday Without God. So stay tuned and we'll be back.
hail you recently subscribed listeners out there. This is Chiaki, and this is your anime news break. First up, for those of you who are Attack on Titan fans and cannot get enough of the franchise and its merchandise, even though the series has, for now, ended, retailers at 2PM Works have heard your cries and have teamed up with sneakers label UBIQ to sell some Attack on Titan canvas shoes. They have the logo of the Survey Corps on the side and generally look like a kind of standard converse high-top sneaker, of course, in the Attack on Titan beige color that their uniforms are. If you're interested in pre-ordering these shoes, they're selling for 10,290 yen or about $103. In other news, Domino's Pizza here in Japan is, well, not your average pizza company. And what I mean by that is, well, you can find pizza here with anime characters on it. Domino's Pizza has recently tweeted a picture with a tiger and bunny pizza, this time featuring Barnaby Brooks from the anime Tiger and Bunny. The pizza is anticipation of their second Tiger and Bunny promotional campaign, which starts on January 6th. All medium and large orders of pizza will come in special Tiger and Bunny boxes to celebrate the opening of Tiger and Bunny the movie, The Rising film. Customers can also apply to receive four different 170 centimeter high character stands of various characters from Tiger and Bunny. So, you can watch anime and eat anime as you consume Domino's Pizza here in Japan. Another news, Miss America has recently begun streaming an English trailer this past week on YouTube for the upcoming English release of Don Don Rompa Trigger Happy Havoc PlayStation Vita game. The game is currently slated to ship in the United States on February 11th and in Europe on February 14th. I recently did a review of the anime adaptation, so this might be a game that you would be interested in purchasing and playing. Speaking of games, in other news, the official website for the Persona 3 anime films have recently posted a new visual at midnight to announce the title of the second film is Persona 3 The Movie Number 2 Midsummer Nights spelled with a K, Dream. Of course, that's a play on Shakespeare's famous play, A Midsummer Night's Dream, spelled with an N. Persona 3, the movie number one, Spring of Birth, opened in Japan this past month, and the character Aegis appeared at the end of the film after the credits. The post-credit sequence announced that the next film, Persona 3, the movie two, is coming early of 20, summer 2014. This was Chiaki, and this was your anime news break. Don't go anywhere, because we'll be back to the show soon. Anime Addict Anonymous wa Amy Plex to Goran no sponsor no teikyo de okuri itashimasu. And we're back with the 205th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. We're glad to be here, and thank you to everyone that's joining us live in the chat. We had a, a pretty good, a pretty big audience today, so we're um, always glad to have you, and it makes things a lot more fun for us. Now, we're going to be covering some of the anime from the summer of 2013, and we have a couple good ones today. Do we? I think we do. Yeah. Oh. 
So I am going to be covering Gin no Saji or Silver Spoon. Gin no Saji is a is an anime that when it was first announced it made a pretty big buzz in the anime world because it was the first anime created by the famed manga artist Hiromu Arakawa who brought us Full Metal Alchemist. So it's the first show that he's put out since that was released. So everyone's like, oh, Fumar Alchemist is so great. So, you know, this new anime probably is also going to be amazing. Also, it also benefited from having a pretty recently well-known director, Tomohiko Ito, at the helm. Ito is recognized as being the director for the hugely popular Sword Art Online series. So there were a lot of expectations set up from the start when this anime was announced and when it started running because of the all-star staff that it has. But the question is, does it live up to the hype? I think that's kind of what everybody always is looking for in anime because, you know, plenty of shows have hype, but you know, we're sometimes we're disappointed by that hype. So, Ginosaji from the outset couldn't be more different than the aforementioned stuff that the Sword on Online and Fullmetal Alchemist staff, the, the famed creator and the director themselves, never really have worked too much in the in the slice of life genre. So it's very different than the prior work that they've put out, and there are, and but Ginosaji is a little bit unique because not only is it in the slice of life genre, but it's also in the agricultural slice of life. So Which I think there's only really been one other true anime to date in such a genre before, and I would say Moyashimon. Well, I don't, Moyashimon has a lot of like stuff goes on with parasites and things, right? Yeah, but they're at an agricultural school. Are they milk cows and things? Other people do. So there aren't too many, if any, anime that exist on farms or deal with the f- with farm animals. So it's certainly true that Ginnasaji brings something fresh to the table for people that watch it. Uh, the series takes us through all kinds of agricultural and farming lessons that cover such topics, t- topics as milking cows, dealing with raising chickens, making cheese, making pizza, raising pigs, and of course... Coming to grips with the slaughtering of animals to which people, one or many people may have become attached. So, you know, and there's nothing quite like becoming friends with a piglet and then, you know, having to murder it later. <laughs> so, Ginnisaji does all of these things and it does it with a good blend of humor and uh, character interaction. And I th- found that generally the visuals were pretty crisp and it looked it looked very nice and... It agreed with me visually. I, I enjoyed it. The, the music was sort of okay. Not. I can't really remember too much of the music, so it was probably just sort of your average run-of-the-mill type of stuff. But I do remember the opening theme. It was. It was okay. So, you know, this all seems great. But of course, throughout the course of the series, viewers might have found themselves asking certain questions to themselves, such as, "Where is this anime going? What is the conflict?" Or will there be a climax in the story? What is the meaning of life? So, unfortunately, this is a slice of life anime, and this genre. Unfortunately. Well, this genre often depends. I'm getting getting to that. It often depends on on internal character struggle to be the overall conflict of the show. So, you know, the the engine that keeps things moving forward. We've had previous shows in the past, like Honey and Clover, that the show is a lot of the show's themes and what drives the series is about certain problems that the characters have in their lives and you know which might be a problem that that, that people in real life have and like people that can identify with the characters characters like you know problems like where am i going in life you know i don't know what i want to do or i i 
I'm lost in the world and I got to, you know, find my way. You know, that's a really prevalent theme in a lot of slice of life. It's, I would say probably every other slice of life has that as a major theme throughout. But I would say if this, if this anime were a car, it would be a Prius because it's all about the environment and not so much about the engine that moves things along. (laughs) So the series, I I thought the series truly lacked the kind of internal struggle that one would hope to see in a slice of life story. Of course, there is, like as I said, that theme of, I don't know what to do with my life. So the main character, Hachiken, enters this agricultural school because he has no idea what he wants to do after high school. And he doesn't know why he's at this agricultural school. One of the things they do right off the top of the gate with the show is, everyone in the class stands up one at a time and says why they're there, what their family background is. And of course, his, his classmates have very poignant backgrounds like my family owns a, owns a dairy farm or my family um, grows corn or my family raises pigs or horses and Hodgkin has no such background and has nothing to fall back on when he's introducing himself and he doesn't really know why he's there he just sort of picks the school and doesn't have a real direction in his life and that's that's probably the main issue in the story but my real problem with it was that Hachiken never really convincingly decides where he's going in his life throughout the course of the show. I mean, you kind of maybe get the feeling that he, you know, becomes more comfortable in where he is at his school and certainly makes a lot of friends, but throughout the course of the anime, it's not like he, you know, finds his way in life and decides that, oh, he's going to be a, I don't know, he's going to raise chickens or something. That I didn't really ever take that away from the show. There were, you know... There were some. There was one main struggle that Hachiken had with befriending the animals that he would inevitably, inevitably be killing. So he he names a piglet in the show. He names it Pork Bowl, which I thought was kind of funny because, ironically, he will be a pork bowl someday. And um, after several episodes of dealing with that subject, at the end of the show, you know he he goes so far as to purchase the meat that that is harvested from the from the pig that he names. And he buys that meat and eats it because he wants to, you know, honor the pig's life or whatever. And so, but at, at the end of the show, he repeats his initial mistake all over again by naming yet another piglet. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, I feel like you learned something. You know, you realize that maybe this isn't the right thing to do, but then you're going to make the same error at the end of the show. And even that doesn't really get at the, at the question of, does, has he found his way in life? Does he know what he wants to do with himself? And let's face it, this is a question that so many people out of college and high school have. Probably probably half or even more than half of people out of school say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life. I don't know what I want to do. And there are some, as I said, Honey and Clover is a really great show that focuses on this theme really heavily and really gets at it and answers these questions. And most of, the, most of that series is really heavily directed specifically at questions like that. Whereas a lot of Ginnosaji is a lot of learning that the strongest pigs use the teats that are closest to the to the head of the of the pig, and um, is this an educational show? And, and you need to appropriately attach the 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 hose that delivers the uh, the the milk from the cow's pumping station to, to the storage tank because if you don't, the hose will bust off and you'll lose a lot of milk. Or you know, horses get really scared if you make loud noises. Just crap like that that. They spend, oh, the dramatic tension. They spend so much time like on, ooh, it's so fun to be a farmer and 
all this random, I'm going to spend a whole episode making pizza and making friends, but he doesn't really get at this question where he, like, you know, learns about himself and wants to, you know. So I thought that it really did fall short in that area. Hanusaku Idoha is a show that I watched recently and loved. I gave it, like, a four or a four and a half. I can't remember. And that show really does a nice job with that question of, you know, who am I, basically. And in, in the department of, of character struggle and, and internal development, I thought that Gin no Saji really kind of fell short. So, in addition to the lack of that struggle, in a genre that often depends on it, the show is very much a flatliner all the way through. So, it's a series that passes the viewer through episodes that focus on all these different farming tasks, but ultimately there is a huge lack of excitement, either external or internal of a character, and the viewer, like, I found myself wanting them that, that there to be this moment, this peak in the story that would just, you know, bring the show to a head. And But that moment never really came in the show. So there were some episodes, like there was an episode where they thought an alien was landing in their field because it was making crop circles. And so they sneak out of their dorm in the middle of the, of the night to go check it out. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be an interesting episode. And then you find out that it's just a big tractor that goes and operates at night that's harvesting the field. And so I was like, oh, that's real interesting. It's a tractor. Wonderful. Or there's sort of a romance between Hachiken and this girl, but it's totally one-sided, and they never get at it. Like, there's never a I love you, or let's kiss, or let's even hold hands, or let's be anything. So that never develops. So in the end, all in all, I thought that Gin no Saji was a nice little slice-of-life show that is honestly pretty well-made. I mean, it looks nice, and... The characters are really enjoyable, and it's nice to watch. The characters are likable, and but there's a, really a lack of a punctuated character struggle and an overall engine that just doesn't drive the story very well. And the anim- But the anime is set to have a sequel in this next coming winter 2013 season, so perhaps there will be these developments later on. I was kind of really unhappy when I saw that there was going to be a sequel to the show because... I didn't really get anything really special from this slice of life, and I don't even hate slice of life. It's not it's not one of those genres that I dislike. I there are plenty of shows that I love from from the slice of life genre, but this show it's good and it's fluffy and you'll like it and it's unique because it has farming and it, I, I wanted it to be good so badly, but they just really just there's too much farming and not enough of the characters in the show, and. I don't know. In the end, it's going to get maybe, I'll say, hmm, three headless chickens out of five. Three headless chickens. It's kind of average. A little bit of... it. Lo- it's kind of average. Maybe maybe if you look online, you'll see above average scores for it, but I think most of that's because it's people that are fans of Fumad Alchemist giving praise to the previous to, you know manga creator. People in the chat are giving it a three, two and a half, two and a half, two and a half. Yeah, it's about... Uh, it's it's a flatliner. Like, you're going to watch this show, and there's not going to be a single moment in any episode where you're like, wow, this is it. This is the climax of the show. This is where the story's coming to a head. This is where the character's having their defining moment as a person. This is where they're learning who they are. None of that happens. Ever. Now, like I said, there's a sequel coming out soon, and I'm probably going to end up watching it, so maybe they'll get to that, but I'm so... I'm really getting sick and tired of these shows that require the viewer to watch for a whole three months before getting at what the show's about. Uh, you're demanding a little too much of the viewer at that point. So, 
yeah, that's that's my All review. Right. If you like slice of life, if you like comedy, or if, maybe if you work on a farm, if you work, and on, you'll really be charmed by it. If you're one of the three anime fans in the world that work on a farm, <laughs> this anime might appeal to you. But if you're looking for a really good slice of life, like like Usagi Drop, maybe not. So, all right, a little too fluffy. Well, my review is Kamisama no Inai Nichiyobi, or A Sunday Without God, or The Sunday Without God, or Sunday Without God, however you want to translate it. So the general plot of Kamisama no Inai Nichiyobi is that God creates the world and then abandons it. It's kind of the God creates the world in seven days theory, but then on Sunday he abandons the world, and God says that heaven and hell are too full and the world is going to be too crowded, and he's failed humanity. So what does God do? God goes peace and leaves. And upon God's abandonment of the world, people can no Boy. longer reproduce or die. So if someone is killed, like they can't, they, they can die, but if someone is killed, the dead will keep moving, even after their flesh will begin to rot and everything like that. Can I ask a question real quick? Yes. Is this show going to just, going to just inflame the hell out of people that are really religious like catholics or christians um no like i'm a devout catholic probably god would not abandon the world then probably like half the anime out there would probably inflame the same people but i mean yeah yeah but but there's a lot of offensive anime out there but there's not that many anime that are literally about god specifically abandoning the world like there's, pointing there's, at that specifically. There's definitely big God theme in this. Like like God and God's relationship with humanity is a big theme in this, which I'll I'll cover later. But does the show have nuns? Uh, Are there nuns in it? Not really. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, we dodged a we dodged a massive bullet. <laughs> um. So. So if someone is killed, the dead will keep moving even after their flesh begins to rot. And the only way for people to find eternal rest is for a gravekeeper to bury them, bury them, or have dirt shoveled by a gravekeeper hit the dead person. And so gravekeepers are thus God's final miracle sent to the world. And they take the form of human-like creatures, um, but they're not really humans. You, you set that up pretty quick. And they have, like, massive amounts of knowledge, knowledge and they kind of are almost robotic like but one i austin is a gravekeeper but she's not like the other ones um and one day her life is forced to change and she sets out from her small town to discover the world with a naive hopefulness this started in july 2013 and it has 12 episodes the original source was a light novel by kimihito Irie with eight volumes and it started in 2010 and is still ongoing the manga also started in 2010 with four volumes and is still ongoing based off of the same light novel this is the first television adaptation but there is an ova slated for 2014 i believe the studio that did the animation is madhouse as for the staff yuji uh kumazawa was the director and he's a relative newcomer with a very short list of total credits just anything he's been worked on even if it's just like an episode director his list is incredibly short um the only other thing he directed was oda nobunaga no yabo oh lord or the ambition of oda nobunaga that's a bad resume (laughs) so 
I have a feeling that this newcomer might have gotten overwhelmed from adapting the original source material. I've never read the light novels, and I'll get into this more in as I dig into my review. But I I have a feeling that things might have gotten a little overwhelmed. Two other people I want to mention uh, is Shinichi Miyame was the character designer. This is his first character design credit, but he has been involved in a lot of big product products projects as animation directors and key animators or key animator such as Chihai Afuru, Nana, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood to name a few. So he's been involved in in the head animation role for a lot or an important animation role for a lot of really big projects. Um, and Hiromi Mizutani did the music. He also worked on Hell Girl, Toriko, and Wallflower. And the reason why I bring this up is Kami-sama is um, or Kami-inai some people call it is gorgeous. It was like eye porn for me. It was so pretty to watch. I loved the coloring. I loved the animation. Yeah, it's a little bit of a traditionally anime esque style where the characters have you know multicolored hair and and the eyes are a little too big and they their proportions might be a little off here or there. But but it was so pretty and I loved the presentation of this. The music was fantastic and the character designs were excellent. The sound and visual visual made a lot of this show worth watching for me as someone who's very big on presentation and it definitely picked up the show a little bit here and there. So I have to have to mention that. This is an anime with an interesting premise and it had a lot of potential. At its core, I really feel like it's a different take on a zombie apocalypse story. You have people that keep moving after they die. But what sets it apart for me and what intrigued me right right from the start of watching this was their approach to the zombie apocalypse. Rather than like a normal hack and slash gory zombie, you know, rundown of everybody's running and zombies are eating brains and things like that. Kami-sama is a very different approach. Despite being dead and, well, decomposing or lacking a heartbeat God. or anything like that. The zombies, I'll call them loosely that, still maintain their humanity. So in other words, they can still talk and interact as though they had not died. So you can have a guy, like if a guy, half his face can be blown up, but he can talk and he can move and he can do things just as like like normal. So there's, of course, a lot of opportunity for how people react to those people who are quote unquote dead, but still able to move, speak and interact as they once did. So, for example, think if you had a, a child and the child fell off a horse and broke their neck and died, but that child could still talk to you. That child could still play with you. That child could still, you know, do whatever. Do you, do you put that child under the ground? You know, like that kind of thing. Is it really a zombie if it's not eating brains? Well, Is it still a zombie? like I said, I use the term loosely. Because it depends on how you perceive zombies to be, but but I see the 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 parallels between a zombie story and and this. Looking at it strictly as a zombie is some something that is dead and then keeps moving. The adaptation of this anime and the way the story are handled had a great deal of problems. The first arc revolves around the girl gravekeeper Eye. We meet her and we learn that she's inherited her mother's duty as the town gravekeeper from a very young age. She's raised by the town and she lives there with the townsfolk. Then the town is basically murdered. And I mentioned this in my impression a while ago, but it begs to be it begs to be said again. The town is completely decimated by a man named um, Hanfany Hombert. He's just just a killer. And what does she do with this maniacal like psychopath? 
serial killer who killed everyone she loves, she decides to go on an adventure with him. Oh my god, it sounds like amnesia. She's like, everyone I loved is dead. Oh god. You killed them. Alright, I'll go with you, I guess. What in the hell? And that's like my first big problem with this show, that no matter how their relationship developed after that, I kept going back to that and going, no! No! Someone doesn't kill the people who raised you and you're like, it's cool, bro. Let's walk together. Like it's like it's just like amnesia. So you're really trying to kill me. You want to murder me, but I just can't resist hanging out with you all the time. And there's something about cookies and amnesia too. <laughs> that anime is so terrible that if you watch that anime, you will you will be less of a human when you're finished with it. What? Stay away. Hmm. You're, you, it, it will take your brain. And if you get a CAT scan after that anime is over, you have dark spots in your CAT scan. I will say that the first arc, like arc and a half, though, is the best of the series. Despite the glaring, painful problems that it had here and there, it really is very enjoyable. And, and almost fantastic, almost minus those giant problems. The characters do shine, but the problem that I always felt came from many of the interactions between the characters. For example, that one bi- that one interaction, or another interaction with her and a gravekeeper, or or other characters that she comes across that are that are minor characters. It was like they created this amazing plot and amazing world and ruined it with characters who didn't carry it sufficiently. It was like. They were like, we're going to have this really cool world, and then we're going to put these characters in it, and they're going to do really dumb things. There are no big-breasted nuns? I don't distinctly remember. What, what, about, what, cro- can- what about cross-dressing nuns with machine guns? Uh, the no, no, no. What kind of an anime is this? <laughs> this isn't anime. There are big-breasted chicks. Does that make it better? Are there any panty shots? <sighs> Let's. Yes I'm- or no? Not that I recall. Answer the question. Did you order the code red? You're damn right I did. A Sunday without panty shots? (laughs) So the anime returns to a better focus, in my opinion, when they move on to the next arc, which is the city of Ortis. So around, like, the first three episodes, I'm grooving with this anime. I'm ready to go. I'm like, okay. They've done a couple things that, that irk me, but this is anime, and I can live with it, and I'm really liking the world that's being built, and I'm really liking, you know, the things that are being done. And the characters, I could they could just go away or be replaced, but, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of gelling with it. Ortis is a city ruled by the dead, and we're back to investigating the questions of how the dead should be handled. If they're capable of living, quote-unquote, normal, happy lives, should they be put to rest? And so, at the beginning of this arc, I'm like, yeah okay, all right, we're getting back to that, you know, deep questions and things like that. But even in this far arc, I generally found it disappointing as being too lighthearted. The characters are just... This anime is like an anime that's like, we want to have something really serious and talk about God and then just want to have our characters be like, let's be friends and let's save the world. And 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 I, oh yeah, that's okay. So I, I have questions. Uh-oh. So no, it's a serious question. So is there a is there a particular reason why she decides to go with the guy that murders her family, or is it just arbitrary? I'm just gonna do it because. I mean, the closest thing that I could that I could look at it and say is that she wants to go out and see the world, and he's the only person left, and so she's either gonna travel alone or travel with the serial killer. Is is there some maybe some theme of forgiveness in the anime that's present? 
I don't see forgiveness as one of the main themes of this anime, to be honest. Um, okay. Though I will say that the, the murderer guy goes away. He, he goes away for a little and he comes back later, but he's, he's not... I was kind of sad to find out he wasn't as main of a character as I thought he was based on the first arc. He really was there primarily for the first arc, and then he... He, well, I guess he's there for, like, maybe half the series. Um, so, even this arc in the city disappointed me because it had all of these potentials for tense drama and real discussions on the plot and the world and what the implications of all these things mean. And they spent it with character focus to the point of practically ignoring everything else. I'm not saying character-centric anime can't be enjoyable or character-centric anime can't be good, but when you... When you pretty much ignore everything else just to be like the characters are gonna talk now and do things i just Ugh. so the final arc or final two depending on how you want to split it i kind of lump it into one the show reminded me of course that i am still watching anime and and this is when the show officially took a dump on itself for chiaki i don't mean to sound like a hater but why must we end up in a school why in this post-apocalyptic world of zombies and zombie cities or walking dead cities or whatever you want to call it do we end up in a school we end up in goron academy where all the kids there are special because they've had wishes granted by god but they're forced to study and they can't escape so what does i and the other people want to do they want to escape I'm not saying that there wasn't still a couple good things that happened in this arc, but the school setting, really, was that necessary? I don't think so. Beyond that, out of all others, this arc felt like it was the most out of place for everything that had been built up so far and completely rushed to make the viewer care about what is going in on in the Academy in a short, like, three episodes when it really felt like it needed more time. If they if they were going to take us from what felt like the world and then throw us into this academy and have the academy be a different dynamic, it it just they didn't have enough time to make us care. Which drops us into what I've heard some say is the fourth arc, but I do kind of lump it all together as the Academy arc. I's friend from school, Alice, has a goal that's fundamentally against I's character morals, which I'm not going to say for spoilers, but one guess that you probably has is, have is a good of the next. And you know what she decides to do? She, she looks at him and goes, you're funda- fundamentally against my morals and what I stand for as a character, but you can still be my friend. I'll help you. I do not understand it does not compute. It's like, I don't know if she's one of the weakest female characters I've ever seen. No. no or... The girl from Amnesia is the weakest female character have ever. ever. Have you ever seen Twilight? Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what to make of her. If it's really supposed to be just a commentary on her naivety and her her endless hope for humanity. I don't know. But it pisses me off because I'm like, if you're against someone killing people... You don't hang out with someone who kills people. Have you ever seen the anime Arpeggio Blue Steel? <laughs> because every single female character in that show, and they're all female, are nothing but property for the male character. Okay, well... He owns them. <laughs> he owns them. They have barcodes. It's just like, you. I want to go on an adventure. I'll go with you, I guess. You're an awful piece of shit? That's cool. I'll just ignore that fact. Like, that's what this girl says multiple times in this series. So, any uh, so, case. So, so let's give it a score and then give it another score if she if she hadn't gone with him. The last arc's actually okay. 
the rampant introduction of characters that proceeded through the story um, did lead to some excitement at the end. And there were decent twists in the management of them by the characters was as rewarding as it was dramatic right at the end. This show, as I said before, wanted to say a lot about God, humanity, and their relationship, specifically through the notion of wishes, which I analyzed to be prayer and, and the notion of prayer. Um, but the story felt rushed, crammed into 12 episodes, and then everything focused on the characters at the expense of, I feel, a far better story and plot than the cast that they were dealing with. The anime started out very strong, setting up the world, and despite the already present genre clashing and character annoyances, the first three to five episodes presented, in this presented this anime in such a way that I thought it truly would be one of the best for the season. However, once wow. the city of Ortis was introduced and we were dragged into the academy, things went to barely average until we got to the final arc again. This anime's main crime is ambition. It set out to try to do too much in a short time. I almost wish the first arc could have been really developed into a beautifully done OVA or the entire series got 24 episodes to really have time to focus on the characters as much as they apparently wanted to and the world rather than having to half-ass both of them. The world ends up feeling ignored, and the main character, I, doesn't feel like she really changes at all throughout the show, despite having the most focus on her and the most potential to, for, to, for development. The I at the end of the show, I don't see as being very different from the I at the beginning of the show, which I consider to be a very big crime when it comes to main characters, yeah, especially I mean, in shows like this. Definitely agree with that. This is a show that I really wanted to like after the first three episodes. I was fairly sold, even with the genre clashing and WTF are you doing character problems. And I saw the potential for an excellent world to be built and evolved upon and have the characters develop in it. But with the majority of the cast having less development than the main character, which didn't have much development, and the notion of it being character-driven fails for me because character development is essential to character-driven shows. I'm not hating on character-driven shows. I'm hating on shows that say they're character-driven and then they don't have good characters. Since they sacrifice the plot world for character focus, we then miss out on the interesting nature of everything that ends up going from just potentially great to blah. And blah. At least there were no giant titted nuns. Yeah. Like every other anime. I might have just blocked them out. Anyways, I'm going to give Kamisama no Inai Nichiyobi. I'm going to give it a two, two gravedigger shovels out of five. Wow. I, I didn't expect it to be that low. Because it sucks, 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 I sucks. Really, I really debated between a two and a two and a half, and maybe a two and a half is more fair, and I'm just in the mood to burn it right now yeah, because it, it disappointed me. It. But it's definitely a show that falls at the just, bef just be below average range. I wouldn't, I wouldn't place it higher than a two and a half. And... I know some people watched this show and really, really loved it and really got a lot out of it. And if you did, that's great. But I just don't see it for this one. And and I'm sorry. I wanted to. I really did. You don't this, have to apologize for giving bad scores. This wasn't one of those shows, though, that I went into the into it with the, the notion of, I'm going to burn this show. Like, I really wanted to like it. You know, sometimes <sighs> sometimes you just have to burn it. Okay? Let it burn. Okay. Yeah. So, it's an honest review. I mean, honestly, what probably kept, like I said before, a lot of it going was how pretty it looked and how nice it sounded. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's it. Nope. There it is. In the words of the emperor from Amadeus. Um, there it is. Amadeus? On a funny side note, I was at uh, a used game and game merchandise store yesterday, and 
there were some kids playing Grand Theft Auto. <sighs> Chiaki already knows this story, but Cram doesn't. So they were playing Grand Theft Auto, and I was just watching them play. And so I came back to the machine a little bit later, and there was no one there. So I jumped on it because, of course, I wanted to drive straight to the strip club and get a lap dance right in the middle of the store so there'd be, like, giant titties bouncing around on the screen and ass everywhere. So that's exactly what I did. I drove all the way across the, the city and took Trevor, one of the characters, straight to the strip club and got a lap dance. And guess what? GTA 5 in Japan is censored. What? Yep, and the cars drive slower. What? Yes, they do. Wait, wh- wh- where did you play this? At the U- at Gudu Gudu. Um, for those of you who don't know, Gudu Gudu is a mom and pop. We already mentioned shop. it earlier in the show. Oh, uh, did we? It's the same place where where I bought the Attack on Titan mask. Okay. It's a mom and pop. It's a very big mom and pop shop that sells games, game merchandise, motorcycle shop, but clothing, and all kinds of other stuff. Are you sure it wasn't a demo copy? Oh, yeah. It was not a demo. Absolutely not. Whoa. Full copy of the game. And completely censored. And it was so funny because the, the kids that were playing previously walked up behind me while I was driving to the shop, right? And I knew. I was like, this is great. Okay? Oh, it, my God. And it, and it took like 10 minutes to drive across the map because the car was so much. Like, even though I was in a police car, it was driving so slow. I don't know. I don't know if that was just me not knowing how to Man. drive it in J- Japanese, but. That's crazy. And then I ha- turned around right as I was getting the lap dance, and I handed it to the kid. That's all I wanted to do. And he was so appalled and, and embarrassed. This is like a 15-year-old kid, and he just couldn't even look at the screen. He was so embarrassed by it. And took the controller and just put it on, put it down on the stand, on the controller stand, and walked away. That's crazy. Even an eight-year-old kid That's in America. That's nuts. I didn't- even an eight-year-old kid in America would have been like, yeah, some titties. They would have. I know, well. I, I know a kid who's six who plays Call of Duty. He's blowing people's heads off. Anyway, this I, is... I thought it was pretty well pretty well established that, like, 10-year-olds played Call of Duty and said very, very racist, terrible oh, yeah. things racist, on the internet. Racist, awful yeah, but, things about your mother. Yeah, but this kid acted like he had seen the most heinous thing he had ever seen in his life to the point where he was looking down at the floor while he put the controller back on the stand and walked away in, like, wow. horror. I mean, really I would funny. expect I would expect kids in the states to be embarrassed, but I would expect them to be like, no, <laughs> no I don't think I don't think know, so. Like Nobody would thing. be embarrassed by censored boobs, nonetheless. Well, censored, yeah. Yeah, they had stickers over the over the nips. Anyway, so this has been the the very fun 205th episode of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. That's why you listen all the way to the end of the episode, so you get fun tidbits like that. You can find us at www.aaapodcast.com where you can get our new episodes and play trivia and vote daily in the character battle for your favorite characters. And, of course, go on the forum and uh, join the discussion of many many awesome shows and of many various topics with our lovely forum members. You can find us on iTunes, where you can subscribe and get weekly updates on the show. And, of course, Facebook and Twitter, at AAA Podcast, where you can receive live photo feeds from random crazy anime stuff that we happen to run across in Japan. So... And, of course, live every sun- every Saturday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ustream.tv. I really want to thank everybody who joined us in the chat. We had a, a, a large audience again today, and it's always nice to have people to talk to while we're doing our show. So thanks for joining us. Very nice. And finally, the theme taking you out tonight is Reclimb from the anime Yoamushi Pedal by the artist Rookies is Punked. 
We'll see you guys later. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. that the show is over don't forget to sign up for your free trial of hulu plus hulu plus lets you binge on thousands of hit shows anytime anywhere on your tv pc smartphone or tablet support this podcast and get an extended free trial of hulu plus when you go to huluplus.com forward slash anime that's huluplus.com forward slash anime